Welcome to the Crunch episode. Uh, this is Ethan, aka Bro Postle. And I'm Patrick at Catholic Pat. I'm gonna sit back from the microphone a minute because I I feel like I've just been so loud. How are you? What's up? I've been really good. I honestly don't know what's going on in my life right now because this is the future. Oh, that's true. This is in the super future. Yeah, folks. If you don't know what's happening, uh, we just recorded a podcast um, with our friend Jake from Twitter. Um, we had a great, nice, positive conversation about socialism. A long, discussion. a long discussion about socialism with regards to Catholicism and American politics and all kinds of things. Yes, uh, potentially our most intellectual podcast to date, I think, and potentially most controversial but, because yeah. we. I mean, to be fair, we did. We did. There was some debate. There were certain like both sides were. I don't know any kind. Of, yeah, I don't know. I think yeah. I think we gave it. A, I think we gave socialism a fair shake. Yeah, and I think we also put down the bad things about capitalism. Yeah, I think other, all in all, I think it was a. If you're if you're conservative, you're not going to get too triggered. Don't worry. Yeah, and if you already like socialism, then you're gonna, just going to be so happy that your ego is getting stroked. So yeah, it, yeah. At the end of the day, we'll you get can't you lose. eventually. Yeah, you'll be fine. Um, so this was a good episode. I hope you learned something. That's like the key of this. Is I think that. Um, That's, yeah. specifically in American politics today with so many things going on with Trump being our president and people like Bernie Sanders running and all and we kind of talked about this a little bit is that it's just so important to be aware of the different issues and the different theories that lie behind politics and lie behind economics and lie behind you know taking care of people in a society and I think sometimes we just say oh let the politicians handle that or let the the bishops and the cardinals handle that and it's kind of Which a, is a terrible idea yeah it's really our responsibility to take advantage of the wealth of knowledge that's at our disposal and learn as much as we can so that we're well equipped to defend the faith in the political and economic spectrums and so accumulation of material wealth is bad accumulation of knowledgeable wealth is good so ready get ready to accumulate folks yeah um, not saying that you have to become a socialist after you listen to this episode. I'm certainly not. Um, Patrick's certainly yeah, not. Same. Um, but we're very certainly not. <laughs> we're we're here because we like to learn, and we're here because we. It was I don't know. We just wanted to learn more about it and be more open to ideas that the church has not condemned. Interestingly enough. Interestingly so enough. Yeah, strap in for this one. It'll be good. Otherwise, oh man. Um, hopefully, I'm putting this out on when I'm thinking about it. Hopefully I'm 21 when this is up. That yeah, that'll dude, be sick. Happy freaking birth! Hey, thanks, man. This has been a long time coming. Yeah, it's been like an eight, nine month drum roll to your 21st birthday. I know. Well, we'll we'll release a podcast the day before my birthday too, so we'll be able to talk about it then. Um, yeah. But in theory, this is going up because um, th- the Sunday after all of my friends come into town uh, for my birthday is probably not going to be the best day for me to try and arise and record a Talk. podcast so oh, i'm not planning on getting drunk because that's a sin but i'm still being cautious and being wary so it's probably when this is gonna go up i don't know we'll see we'll play with it it'll be great but it's gonna be fun this is a good episode yeah we're already making this longer than it needs to be so we're just gonna let the interview speak for itself um it's our friend jake and me and patrick and we hope you enjoy it um yeah repentance submit to the pope repentance submit to the pope boom What's up, Jake? How are you? 
I'm fantastic. How are you doing? I'm good, man. It's good to see you. Good to talk to you face to face, mano a mano. Well, I mean, Pat's here too. Yeah, that too. I had mono once. <laughs> that was yeah. so funny, Patrick. You're hilarious. Hey, I actually, I genuinely made you laugh, and I, I demand acknowledgement of that fact. I'm editing it out, like I always do. Good job. Yeah. Uh, so, Jake, let's just let's just do it. Like, I don't want to do any like intro crap. I just want to just want to talk to you. Yeah, let's do it, man. Yeah. So, like, I just what? Do it. I don't know like anything about you beyond the fact that you one have the cutest daughter on the planet. And two, invented repentance, submit to the Pope. And that's literally that's about all I know about you. So, like, do you want to you share a little bit? Like, because I feel like we're friends, but we, at the same time, we don't even know each other. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, part of that, the reason why you know so little about me was by design. Um, I've slowly been unanonymizing my social media presence uh, just because my last job, me being like a crazy outspoken socialist uh was not like good yeah um, I, I would have gotten fired so um now that i'm not working there anymore i can be a bit more free and open about who i actually am online um so i mean basically i you know i'm so as you know i am married i have a, a daughter she'll be two uh a month from tomorrow on july 2nd she'll be two years old um, I am a convert to the Catholic Church. I came into the church, uh, Easter Vigil 2009. Nice, uh, nice. Grew up, uh, you know, sort of, I don't know if, if there's a term for this, but like whatever the Jewish equivalent of like a Christmas and Easter Catholic is, um, that's what my family was. A Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur Catholic, you know, <laughs> right? Basically, I mean, like, I mean, it, it was slightly more than that. It was more than two holidays. Like, we did Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and, you know, Passover and Hanukkah. And, uh, you know, we, we did Shabbat every, you know, every Friday. Wait, so you were, like, stuff. totally Jewish? I mean, I, I don't know. Like, not, like, totally Not Jewish, totally Jewish, like, but you were you were more you were, Jewish than I've ever been. Well, yes. I don't, I'm not sure how hard, like, how high of a bar that is. It's but, pretty low. But that's crazy. I had no idea about, like, that, that was a yeah, thing. Yeah, so, I mean, like, percent Jew. Yeah, so, I mean, I grew up. Uh, sort of practicing uh, Jewish. I like. I never got like a bar mitzvah or anything. Um, boy, my my grandfather, my dad's dad, my dad's uh, family is the Jewish side of my family. Uh, my dad's dad died um, in a car accident when I was uh, like six, I think. Um, and he was sort of like you know the patriarch, you know, main religious figure in the family. And so after he died, um, you know, the level of practice in the family sort of steadily began to decline. Uh, until it was pretty much just like Passover and Hanukkah. Um, but that was, you know, good for me because, you know, later on in my life, the experience that I had with the Passover, um, you know, as you are aware, uh, really played into uh, my understanding and desire to, you know, become Catholic and, and partake in the Eucharist. So um, having that that background of, you know, Passover being, you know, my main religious experience growing up uh, really helped with that. Nice. That's actually super cool. Um, so, I mean, there was a bit of, you know, a windy road in between there. I, so we kind of grew up Jewish and then I went, you know, we kind of stopped practicing and I was, you know, agnostic and atheist. And then in high school, I uh, was Buddhist for a couple of years. Weren't we all? I mean, 
Yes. I, I don't think you were. Knowing your story, I don't think you were. So. Okay. Well, thanks. Thanks, Jay. But appreciate that. I, I, I understand <laughs> that you want to be as cool as I am, but. Dang it. Patrick said that before you even got on the thing. <sighs> and I'm right. Okay. No, you're it's not. It's okay. I mean. No. It's a, it's a very understandable design. It's not it's true. Just, it's kind of true. We know it's true. <laughs> it's it's kind of true. Um, I, you know, it's. That, that came because, I mean, I had done, like, martial arts, like, my whole life growing up from, like, age, like, 6 to, like, 20. Um, and so, like, that's when I was, like, first feeling, you know, the tug of God on my heart, uh, you know. And I was like, oh, I need to be, like, more spiritual, like, you know, a dumb teenager does. Um, I was like, oh, I'll try Buddhism. Um, so I did that for a while. And um, the Buddha did help me get out of being arrested once. So that was useful. Um, but <laughs> if they, nothing else, convert to Buddhism. <laughs> so that you don't get arrested. Yeah. It, Please tell story. the story of how Buddha got Please started. tell the story. So, um, um, so I was like 17, probably. Um, so one of my friends, uh, she had like a ginormous mansion, um, like way up in the hills. I grew up in Southern California. Um, like her house and like everything was so big. Like they had ballet parking at her like, you know, New Year's Eve party. It was like that kind of house. Um, so, you know, one night, it was like a Friday night or whatever. Me and a bunch of friends were hanging out at her house. Um, and then I'm on my home. Uh, so I have a friend in the front seat with me, two friends in the back. And then I have like a a pretty large statue of the Buddha in like the <laughs> middle back seat of my car. Um, like, Just I mean, it's like, it's like, a, you know, it's like a two by two by four, you know, like Buddha. Like this is a serious, you know, Buddha statue that was just chilling in the back seat of my car for some reason. Um and so coming down this big hill and like, once again, being a dumb 17 year old, I was, uh, speeding quite a bit, uh, down this hill and I'm speeding down the hill. And then I pass in the dark, you know, sitting on the side road with its lights off a cop. Um, and I just keep going. I look in my rear view mirror and I see him turn his lights on and everyone in the car starts freaking out. Uh, and then my two friends in the back, uh, they start rubbing the Buddha statue, <laughs> as, you know, as you do. Uh, and then so I, I, I turned, like, we got down the hill, like, to this, like, shopping center. And so I turned in the shopping center and, like, went through a, like, one of the drive through pharmacies. It was, like, 11 o'clock at night. It was closed. Like, I went through the drive through pharmacy and the cop just went, uh, kept going. So I evaded um, a very severe uh, speeding ticket and, you know, avoiding the police. So that was fun. By rubbing the Buddha. Yeah. Only one of only one of a few times I was almost arrested. Imagine if you had had a statue of Mary in your back seat. I know, right? The car would have started to fly. If I had a statue of Mary in my back seat, hopefully I would have been speeding. That's well, that's actually she, a good point. She would want me to be safe, and she would protect me from being dumb. Shout the out, Buddha Mary. caused you to speed in the first place. That's actually Probably. what it was. You know, because you know he was a demon. So Ooh. exactly. Well, Zing. He was a person, right? I mean, yes. But. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say the Buddha was a demon. I will, he's but still, he's still pagan. So, you know. yes, pagans, dirty pagans. Um, this is going to be the most incendiary episode of the Crunch ever. Because oh, definitely. You started it off by saying, by saying that you were so socialist. Socialist. Yeah, yeah. And you know, then, that's, what, that's what I do. Um, so that's exciting. Do you want to? Yeah. Do you want to jump the, into that, or should we the ease? Of the crunch, not should we ease our way into the socialism sure. pool? Like, yeah. Uh, I mean, we could talk. I mean, like. I assume that most, I, I guess, I don't know. I mean, you guys have a pretty large reach who like, don't probably dive into like, you know, they're in Catholic Twitter, but they're not in like weird Catholic Twitter. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so like anyone who's like, who's like even like who's close to like weird Catholic Twitter, like knows about, you know, the like weird Catholic socialist click, um, you know, the, the, uh, group formerly known as like Tradnista. Who, um, by the way, are potentially my favorite group of people to watch interact on the internet. I just, I with love, each other. They're just so funny. They're just so funny and they all just love each other, but they also hate each other. <laughs> I mean, we're just like, we, it depends. Like we take things very serious. And that, that's the thing too. Like, you know, everyone will freak out and you hear Catholic Socialists just like, oh, they're like, you know, liberals or like they don't believe in the teachings of the church. Like we really believe in the teachings of the church and like we will go after people for heresy and whatever. And so that's like the, yeah. fun, the fun parts of interacting. Like when you get the, they call it, you know, the trad, the trad fave train going. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's fun. But like, you know, watching people like Kevin school people on anything is awesome. Anyways. Um, so yeah, I'm mean, like, you know, if you, if you hang around enough on Catholic Twitter, you'll at some point interact with, you know, people who were part of what was Tradvista, you know, it's various groups and whatever now, but, you know, basically people who identify on the, you know, political uh, or economic, you know, left of the spectrum. Um, and it's an interesting thing because uh, if you're like me, you know, like I was, um, I would say growing up, and, you know, after I came into the church, well, a little before, but, you know, I came to church, I was a very sort of typical, um, you know, like Republican Catholic. Like I interned for Congress, for a Republican congressman when I was in school. Um, at Clemson, they had a thing called the Institute for the Study of Capitalism, where we like read Ayn Rand and stuff like that. Uh, so like oh. I did all that, huh. that stuff. Um, you know, it's so, like I was a very, you know, sort of typical conservative Republican Catholic. And, you know, I worked in the pro-life movement and so you know, it's a very sort of republican um place obviously um but in the the first time i ran into like this section of catholic twitter um for some reason i i saw like bruv's um oh no twitter account right yeah. i know um, yeah but like i you know i clicked on his profile or whatever and like in his bio it said like catholic socialist or whatever and like i immediately like closed it and discounted like you can't be a Catholic socialist. Like that's like against the church. Um, like that was my first reaction. So it's very understandable, you know, when people have that reaction. Um, and that's something, that's a discussion that like sort of internally with that group of people, we've had discussions about whether or not it makes sense or is the best thing to like use that term. Um, because, you know, obviously we think it works and, you know, it's a very prop, you know, properly understood you think it's a pretty broad term, but people have all sorts of associations with it, you know, based on historical, you know, socialisms like, you know, the Soviet Union or whatever. Um, and obviously, you know, we're not, you know, believing that that's okay or in line with the church, but that's, that's what people think of, you know, whenever they hear socialism for the first time. Exactly. Um, yeah. at, least they, at least they used to, but now they probably think of Bernie Sanders. Yeah. Um, which, which I mean, is, which is like, I mean, it's not perfect, I, um, but it's better, I guess. It is a step in the right direction away from genocide. Bernie, You're right. Bernie, Bernie Sanders is better than Joseph Stalin. Um, yes. I think we can agree. You heard that. it here first, folks. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so basically, I, mean, I, I, I mean, I've talked to Ethan a little bit about that. I sent, I sent him some stuff. I don't know if he read um, much of it, but you know, just generally, socialism is the idea uh that a significant portion of 
um, you know, the economy of a, of a nation should be uh, under the control uh, of or, or subordinated to, um, to the people, basically. Um, and your, your face, Patrick. Okay. <laughs> um, I was like, yeah, I've never heard it so, put that way before. Right. And so, I mean, so that's, so that's the thing. So that's part of the, the issue with, you know, the description and, and how you label yourself because you have to get, you have to break through people's, you know, preconceived notions, then present what you mean when you say it. Patrick's, um, Patrick's but, thinking back to the time that he had to read Rerum Novarum and he's going, Oh, I hate this right. whole thing right now. <laughs> exactly. Well, so I, mean, I also but, forgot that I had my camera on, so let me fix that. <laughs> but, uh, I, I was having fun and like just watching your reactions to things. No, I did. I was doing um, the exact same thing, Jake. It was great. Um, but you know, so, but you're talking about Rerum Novarum, like, you know, the, the popes have a very sort of specific, you know, condemnations of, you know, of what they, what they view to be socialism. Um, and, you know, and so as far as, you know, the things that the popes condemn in, in socialism, you know, we, we also condemn those same things, you know, like, you know, obviously the atheism, um, you know, violence, uh, in terms of like class revolution, um, you know, things like that. Uh, and like the reduction of man to being subordinate to the state only and those kinds right. of things. Like those are all right. obviously, like, they, obviously right. bad. The, Nobody's like advocating view, that, you know? Right. The view that, you know, the view that, you know, man is just like sort of this molecule or this cog in the machine of the state, you know, things like that. Um, you know, obviously we reject those things, but we, uh, and so, you know, you can look at, you know, through the various social encyclicals uh, that the popes have, you know, written over the last hundred and uh, what is it, 120 something years now since uh, round of arm. Um, but, you know, and, and look at the things that the popes condemn. And, you know, we can end those same things too, that we, you know, we don't see and what, you know, whatever we're, whatever we want to call it, you know, Catholic, in Catholic socialism, like we don't advocate those things that are condemned, but then they also look at those encyclicals and the popes put forward some sort of, you know, some positive uh, attributes that they think, you know, just society um, should organize, organize itself around. And we think that, you know, socialism properly understood or, you know, however, however you want to say it better meets those criteria than, than capitalism does. Um, you know, and so it was, a, it was a process for me to sort of, you know, digest that and, and read, um, you know, read some more writings and, you know, really dive into the social teaching of the church and see those sorts of things. Um, and Good old in a lot of ways, yeah, exactly. Um, I have, you know, the giant compendium of the social doctrine of the church sitting on my uh, table over there. But uh, it was actually, you know, Pope Francis that made me sort of look into this in really? the first place. Um, because, you know, like I said, I was a very sort of stereotypical Republican Catholic, um, you know, a single issue, you know, mostly like a single issue voter, you know, pro-life, which is fine. Like, that's totally understandable. And again, like I work... I worked full time in the pro life movement for years, um, and I understand, I understand that. But like, I was never satisfied that. And so, when Pope Francis, you know, became Pope and started talking about things, um, you know, people got made all sorts of, um, yeah, whatever. They were they were very troubled by the way he talked down about capitalism and the way he seemed to be praising socialism, and you know, it sort of struck a chord in me. And so, my you know, first reaction was to reject that and just kind of ignore it and and do the sort of bitter trad thing. 
um, <laughs> that, that you do classic, with classic yes characters. classic bitter trads um but then you know through prayer um i just kind of got to the point where i was like you know if if the pope is saying something i at least owe it you know i at least owe you know the pope and the church like that i'm gonna give this a shot to just like you know, try and see what he's saying. Yeah, because, like, the uh, question is is then, like, has there ever been a pope that has spoken out in favor of capitalism? I can't recall a single right. one. You know, but I have seen Benedict talk about being in favor of certain aspects of socialism, and Francis definitely. Um, and I don't know if JP2 ever wrote about it, but, like, that's, I mean, at least some people are just so against the idea. And I'm not saying I'm a full-blown socialist. I mean, I haven't done enough reading or know enough about anything, but... People are so closed off to the idea that two popes have talked about in a positive light mm-hmm. um, that I, it just boggles yeah, my mind, strange. you know. And I think it's because yeah. we're so party aligned in our yeah. in our right. in our faith, and it's like so. I I think before we continue discussing socialism, because I know that, like you said, the the typical the the default position for Catholics seems <laughs> to be conservative, and so on behalf of others that identify on more like the economic right oh, here which we go. i i tend i tend more that way you can't say that the catholic church condemns socialism so we're going to talk about it right. and deal with it listen to the crunch to episode sundays because i we had to we had to do this um with we, we I, i'm in this uh, center for leadership program at franciscan the school that i attend <clears throat> and um Wait, you, we had to do, you were in Franciscan? I had no idea. I actually idea. do, Jake. Yeah, that's <laughs> no crazy. Idea. So, how did how did, how did I not know that? Everyone that I everyone I know that goes to Franciscan like talks about it all the time. So, how did I not know that? You yeah, Patrick. Know? Patrick never brings it up. <laughs> that's insane. It's true. I'm very soft spoken about it. Um, so, we, we went to this uh, in the Center for Leadership. We it's uh, focused on like uh, marrying your Catholicism to. Uh, the public square. So like we're in like, if there's any kind of like political activism or leadership or whatever. So we had, we went to this seminar on Catholic social teaching and the biggest, uh, the two things that struck out to me, the mo- stuck out to me the most were the Catholic church, not condemning any economic most well, the church, not taking a stand specifically on any economic position. So the church isn't saying like the only way to run a society is capitalist. The only way to run a society is socialist. And the church doesn't provide a third option either it just says this is what you need to avoid move towards the good right um, I mean that... and i was surprised how i was also surprised how emphasized the church was on the poor mm-hmm. um the preferential option for the poor right that, that, well that's i mean that's, that's an interesting uh, phrase and you know i um i was reading or listening to something recently um and you know we talk about the preferential option for the poor um but in a lot of ways the things that people get upset about, like that's not even like a preferential option for the poor that they're getting upset. Like that's just straight up justice. So mm-hmm. like, you know, when all else, you know, all else get being equal, the church again has this preferential option for the poor, but that's after we meet the minimum standards of justice. Gotcha. Can you give an example? Um, maybe. Um, I mean, because I, 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 I'm having so I mean, trouble like, like in, thinking one of where like where it's justice versus preferential right, so treatment. In, in general, and this is something that people get upset about. Also, like in general, like the church, this is straight up church teaching. Like the church teaches that people have a right to you know food and housing and education and healthcare. Um, like that is that's church teaching. You know, that's that's pretty straight up. 
Um, right. It's not like right. a social spin on it. So like if you haven't met those basic standards of justice, you know, like that, then you, you can't get in this discussion like, oh, well, like, you know, if you, if you do this, then you're crowding out people's opportunities to provide charity or whatever, like charity, like, it's the same thing. Like charity, charity is after justice. Like you have, like okay. charity can, charity cannot replace justice. Justice is more fundamental than charity. So like okay. until, until people are at the level of justice, there's no such thing as charity. All you're doing is rendering them what is their due. That's justice. True. That's not charity. All right. So even, even so like the, my, my biggest like um, continuation of that, like, yes, of course, everyone is due what, since we have a right to life, we therefore have a right to the things that sustain life. However, the, the government gives us, so like the American constitution gives us rights. They like list down, sorry, they get, they enumerate our rights, but they don't necessarily say they will fulfill those rights. So it's my understanding that a socialist position is that it is the government's job to fulfill the rights that are due to each person. Whereas I would say that that more lies with the church. Sure. So, I mean, this is a pretty common thing where people talk about, you know, you know, the, the common way you see this currently is with the healthcare debate. Yeah. Uh, People talk about like, well, why, you know, why is the state providing, have to provide healthcare, you know, through a single payer system or, or whatever? Like, why doesn't the church you know, why doesn't the church do this? And, you know, my view on that is sure, but is the church doing that? Uh, I mean, like this is, you know, sort of like basic subsidiarity. Um, and, and some, and people get this confused too, like, especially in America, like people view subsidiarity and like federalism as the same thing. Oh, that's wrong. Um, but like, that's, a, I mean, that's a pretty common Sorry, understanding. I'm like half, half with you for most of this but i do know mm-hmm. i do know some things <laughs> I'm, I'm very proud thanks jake <laughs> you make me proud every day yes let's go Your daddy's big boy <laughs> um but you know i mean people people view you know people hear the term subsidiarity and you know in america they know about federalism and small government conservative conservatism and they think they're the same thing and they're not um, subsidiarity, you know, it, it can be framed in the way of like, you know, do it at the smallest level possible. But like the actual ter- the actual principle is like, what it, things should be done at the proper level. So you know, if a small community can handle something, a larger one shouldn't, you know, abrogate their responsibilities or whatever. Um, but if it's not possible or you know whatever for a small community to do something, then it's the responsibility of the larger levels of society to step in and do it. And so, yeah, and we see that I've seen that in dioceses, like the diocese uh-huh. will provide economic assistance and like accounting assistance to parishes that can't perform it themselves, that sort of right. thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, so wherever there's a, a lack there, you know, the, the, the higher up should, you know, has a responsibility to step in. And so the, the church, you know, if the church wanted to provide health care for everyone, like that would be amazing. But it yeah, doesn't. It doesn't. And I don't think it can. Like, I just think there's an economy, there's an economy of scale there that is just beyond what the church can provide. The church barely has enough people to run itself in America, right? let alone run an entire healthcare system. Right. And it, and, and, you know, when people talk about this, like, they'll like, they'll be like, oh, look at the, the middle ages. And, and Liz Bruning has a, uh, Bruning has a awesome, like, essay about this on her website. Um, but basically like talking about how like, oh, that, you know, back in the 
you know, in the medieval times or whatever, the church would provide for the needy and the poor and whatever. But what they don't talk about is the fact that they did that through the state, like this, mm -hmm. the viewing the, like the responsibilities of the church and state and like, you know, in that time, um, you know, they saw that the church has, you know, responsibility for the care of the needy and whatever, but that was provided for by the state. Like the state allowed the church to tax people. And, you know, if people didn't pay these taxes, the state would send soldiers to collect your tax so that the church could provide these services. That, that probably got dicey. So, I mean, but, I mean, <laughs> but again, like that's, that's the sort of thing. Like if you, if you want to say that that's the church, like that's taking care of the poor and that sort of stuff is the realm of the church and not of the state. That's fine, but like you have to either provide the church the means to do that, or you need to let the state. state hey, do let it. me let me drop this one on you. Both and. Both. And. <laughs> You're so Catholic. Both hey, and. Thanks, Jake. The both and of Catholicism. This is the both and podcast. So, my understanding of the way that so like we we see this all the time. People bring this up all the time. Most successful countries in the world have universal health care. Right. We don't. Mm. I think if you look at our healthcare's history, you can understand why. Because right. it's the single payer system, the the monopolies that were created back in the day. And I think that a lot of the problems that people have with, with capitalism are when monopolies and olig oligopolies are created. Mm -hmm. But see those things are mostly created by intervention by the state. So like where where's the where's the connection? So like my my understanding is like okay, so if companies were just running free, then and the state wasn't interfering, then there wouldn't be monopolies, right? But like right. obviously so, that yeah, well, I mean, monopolies come you know can come from unrestricted unrestricted capitalism. So that's the thing, like you know, people talk about the free market and whatever. Like no, there's no such thing as a you know true laissez-faire yeah. capitalist state because you need you know state interventions to make sure that things are you know fair that monopolies get broken up and you know the environment is protected and things like that so the question is the question is not whether or not the government and the state has a role in sort of subjugating the market and regulating it the, the question is how much um, gotcha you know and so so that's that's the, the, the sort of question but you know and for me in my process and a lot of you know conservative you know or like very orthodox and like serious thinking catholics um, a lot of times they'll, you know, they recognize a lot of the ills of capitalism that, you know, that I recognize and, you know, are, are pretty apparent uh, if you're, if you're looking, but then again, they they're Catholic and they have this vague sense that the church condemns capital or condemns socialism. And so they want to go and be distributists. Um, it's like, that's a very, you know, typical um, serious Catholic thing is like, oh well, you know, I, they they want to go smoke their cigars or their pipes um, and hang out in the Shire and be distributors. Um, mm -hmm. um, and it's it's an interesting thing because, as as far as I'm concerned, if you actually look at distributism, and this is the issue that I had, I mean, years ago, and why I stopped calling myself a distributist fairly shortly after I decided to start calling myself a distributist because I'd read a lot of Chesterton um, is that if you actually look at what distributism demands for it to actually accomplish anything, it is so radical that it's, I mean, it's basically socialism because, you know, for those who don't know, distributism basically the idea that, you know, the means of production should be as widely distributed as possible that everyone 
you know, every individual, every family should own, you know, the means for them for themselves to make a living. Um, mm-hmm. So, but given where we are in history, um, how you accomplish that is extremely radical in the first place, you know, probably requiring the same sort of revolution that, you know, people think, you know, socialism would require to get that, that capital distributed in the first place. But then if all you do is that sort of initial distribution and then just allow, you know, the market to work again, all you've done is really set back the clock and you're going to end up in capitalism again, because you're going to have people who are better at whatever they're producing than others. You know, some people get sick and have to, you know, take a step back from the work. You're going to have people who want, you know, for whatever reason, want to sell their, their capital, people who want to buy it. And you're just going to end up with capitalism again. So we just go from late stage capitalism to early stage capitalism and nobody wins. And so, and so if you, so, so then there should be say like, okay, well you have to do this regulation and whatever to make sure that that doesn't happen. Like at this point, if you're distributing frequently and widely enough and all that sort of thing, you basically just created socialism. Um, but it just com- comes down to the fact that Catholics are afraid, again, they're afraid of the word socialism. Yeah. it's. Just, I just wish, here's the thing. This is like the goal of this episode, right? Is to get people to understand that there's different definitions to words, which is crazy, right? right? I, I know. Pretty difficult yeah. concept to get around. And I mean, like, and, and Catholics should understand this just in terms of like their you know, ecumenical outreach isn't like when you say Catholicism, yeah, it's a very different thing <laughs> from when an evangelical says Catholicism. Right. You could, you know? like, yeah. I mean, you could say Catholicism, that could mean whore of Babylon or right. like the, the greatest church of all time. Is someone calling me yeah. right now? Patrick, why are you calling me on Google Hangout? Patrick. Is Patrick gone? Patrick might have just left. It's just us, Jake. We'll carry it. We're good. Cool. We got this. <laughs> we don't need him anyways. Yeah, no. So like if you could so if you could all boil that down to like one thing that you would tell the average um just the average Catholic, like what is the one thing that they need to understand, not necessarily about socialism, but like what what do we need to get about politics in America that we just aren't getting right now? Because I feel like there are a lot of Catholics that just don't get where we're going, where Catholics fit in, where yeah. where we're supposed to vote, where we're not supposed to vote, where, what we're supposed to think, what we're supposed to do. Yeah, I mean, in terms of voting, it's tough because it's so, I mean, because of the political realities are so screwy and, and messed up the two-party system, like, I fully, like, I mean, I fully understand why people feel like they can only vote Republican. And frankly, like, I vote Republican, you know, in terms of, like, you know, for my senators, and I didn't, I didn't vote in the presidential race. Um, for the, you know, I'm not that old, but for the first time since I've been eligible, I did not vote in the presidential race. I left it, brought, I left it blank. Um, but like for wow. my senators, I voted Republican. Um, you know, because I think abortion is such a important issue, and because I, I don't, I don't think the Republicans are good on abortion. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's an I understatement. I just think the Democrats are like so obviously evil, like and terribly extremely evil. Um, so like I, I totally get why people you know vote you know strategically and whatever they feel like the best outcome is going to be. But I think in terms of just a political outlook in this country, the the biggest difference between 
what I feel like someone who's voting, voting authentically Catholic and someone who's not, who's voting, you know, who's thinking as an American and not as a Catholic, is that for a Catholic, it, it's about the common good. And Amer- for America, it's about the individual. And that's, you know, that's a very important thing. And that, that's hard for Catholics to even get to because even the, even the catechism has a terrible definition of, of what the common good is that one is not consistent at all with, you know, the, the history of thought of the church. Uh, you know, if you look at, you know, Aquinas and you know, all throughout the history of the church, how they define the common good. Um, but also like even the, um, the compendium of the social doctrine of the church has a different definition. And so the catechism just has a bad one. So like, that's, that makes it, that's a stumbling block. That's a hurdle right. for Catholics to get over to yeah. understand what it means to, to put the common good first. Um, you know, it's not, the common good is not just like the sum total of all of the individual goods. Um, Ooh, we're talking so, about the common good now. Yes, we are. Welcome back, Patrick. Well, Glad you're back, here. Patrick. Thank you. <laughs> um, so I missed everything. I missed everything from talking about distributionism to apparently we're now on the common good. Did yeah. We just started talking about, uh, how Jake voted in the past election and what Catholics need to know about politics in America. And then we moved on to the definition of common good in the catechism versus in the compendium of social doctrine. And now we're talking about the common good. Sweet. Welcome to the party. I'm glad you're back. I'm glad you're back, Patrick. I missed you. I missed you too, Jake. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of the crunch. Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation, but I wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors. We will be back right after this. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Um, so yeah, what, so like, what is the definition again? <laughs> so the, uh, let me see if I can pull this up on me. I'm actually not smart, so. Hey, welcome to that club, too. <laughs> Wait, so why, yeah. is, why is the compendium so... So the, the catechism definition is like, like I was saying, it's like, it's not a good definition and it's not like, not only just because like I disagree with it, but like, because it doesn't comport with the, the tradition of the church, like Aquinas would not recognize the definition that's in the catechism as being a, um, a Catholic uh, definition. Let me see if I can find this here. Sorry. I'm going to like Google something. Here. You're good. I can edit all of this out. You're so amazing. Hey, thanks, Jake. Wow. Real quick, can I be a ridiculous libertarian and still be Catholic? Just no. no. It's really okay. <laughs> Fair enough. That's a, and that's the thing that drives—I mean—drives me crazy. Um, 
is like, as far as I can tell, because like in my previous job, you know, I worked with a lot of, you know, high school and Catholic students in, in pro-life groups and, you know, the vast majority of them are Catholic. Um, and they're just like, they're like, oh yeah, we're like, we're, we're doing all this pro-life stuff, but also like, you know, we're doing, you know, Young Americans for Liberty or whatever. Oh God, why? Because like, again, you kind of, you miss this. Patrick, but we were talking about just basically how the diff- the real difference, I think, between thinking like a Catholic politically and thinking like an American is the common good versus the individual. And yeah. America, America is all about, you know, that rugged individualism. Bootstraps, um, et cetera, et cetera. Right, exactly. Um, and yeah, and I don't, I, that's my biggest problem I've found with libertarianism is like the non-Christian libertarians seem to just go off the deep end in terms of personal liberty it's insane but but nominal libertarians that are christians seem to have that because they have such a grasp of their faith they have Mm -hmm. this like reined in libertarianism where it's like okay yeah sure individual liberty and all that but other people are important right so so, it's like not really in a lot of ways you know in sort of this is the sort of thing like i hate to especially because your audience is young but like I was a young person once, and I'm still fairly young. But, like, I look at myself when I was in college, and I'm like, God, I was dumb. And, like, <laughs> not to discount, like, young people can be intelligent and have, like, well-formed opinions and things like that. But, like, nah. there is there is something to, like, getting older. And not just yeah. because, like, like yeah, there's experiential stuff. But, like, just you, you, over time, learn more. And so, like, you know, older Catholics who are libertarians, they like, they have a, it's more of like a prudential thing where they're just like, they're worried about the state, the power of the state and, and what it can do yeah. to the church. Like a lot of times, like people who Catholics these days who are like libertarians um, are really focused on like the religious liberty issue, um, which, which makes sense because the United States is terrible and it wants to destroy the church. Yeah. Um, yes. And so like, and so like for prudential reasons, like sort of being a political libertarian, just because you want to limit the power of that government that wants to destroy the church. Uh, I totally understand that. But it's, like, it's like, it's all at the end of the day. I always go back to this when people talk about things, but what's your intent? Like Aquinas was big on this is what's your intent behind what you're doing. If your intent for being a libertarian is that you want to smoke weed, just right. go away. Just stop. Like you're not helping anybody but yourself. And even then you're not helping yourself, you know, it's, it's a pretty, yeah, it it makes me angry. I think, I think libertarianism comes from that disappointment of the government. You know, it's like, okay, the government is just continually, continually, continually letting us down and obviously trying to destroy the church. Like it's not even subtle anymore. So like, let's just get rid of it seems to be the response, but it's like, well, yes and no. Yeah. Sorry. I finally found what I was looking for. Um, so in the, cate- in the catechism, the definition it gives of the common good is the sum total of social conditions which allow people, either as groups of individuals, to reach their fulfillment more, f- more fully, more easily. Um, so, like this, this, this idea of the common good as being the sum total of individual goods is bad, and, and that's basically what's in the, co- the the catechism. But then, if you look in the the, the compendium of the social doctrine in the church. Um, it lists that same definition from the ca- that's in the catechism, and then like literally the sentence after it says, "The common good does not consist in the simple sum of the particular goods of each subject for the social social entity." Um, mm. And so the you know the thing about what a common good is 
if you look at the history of the church, it's basically it's it's a good that is that is not diminished by it being shared. Gotcha. So, you know that that's sort of like the most basic thing, and so this kind of gets back into you know what people think of when they think of socialism. Um, and we talked about how, like, you know, the sort of viewing a, a, as an individual is just like a cog in, in the machine of the state. And that's obviously bad because you're directing, you're directing man towards the, towards ends of the state and not towards his own ends. Whereas the Catholic view of the common good, like the, the good is your own good. And so by orienting yourself towards the common good you are also orienting yourself towards your own personal good the common yeah. good is 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 a personal good for you that by you know sort of you know classical scholastic definition of the good is that you know it it helps you fulfill you know your 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 final cause and it's so, not like the the common understanding right. that i i've seen is like well the, the good of the many is more than the need of the one right. you know like yeah. that, that sort exactly. of thing they're they're one and the same if i could right. just like replace the word good with the word holy that would that would help too, I think. Like, cause cause you, if you think about it in those terms, like if you make yourself holy, then just by the nature of you becoming holy and living right. that example, then everyone else around you, um, you have a it spreads. It has that effect, and I think you know the two the two are kind of interchangeable in this in this context. So that's why you know we need to have the the papal states of America. Yes, so the, <laughs> the church can use its you know its hierarchy to direct the state towards these common goods. Everyone say it with me on three. One, two, three. Repent and submit, Repent and submit to the Pope. The Pope. <laughs> I knew what you were doing. I, Thanks, Jake. I listened. I, I didn't. I had no idea. I listened to this. I listened to this podcast that like is essentially a thought experiment on like what the world would, how the world could operate. But who would build the like, roads? Yeah, it's called who would build the roads. And it's that it's, it's not, it's definitely not like a uh, a this is how it should be. It's just a thought experiment. And the 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 biggest flaw that I've seen, and it's a huge flaw in this system, is the fact that there is no system, and the fact that like the the church has no place in this system. And it's run by two um, two really devout uh, guys, but they're Protestant, so they don't really have this like this Catholic the, idea of a hierarchical this was, church. This was the guy that was on on your yeah show. yeah yeah oh, right. yeah yeah. I listen. I listen. And, to I know what's up. Yes. Oh, sweet. And, like, one of, one of my biggest questions for them that I haven't gotten to pose yet because I wanted to send it to them, kind of, like, organize my thoughts. But like, where does the church enter into this? Um, they had an episode recently about, like, the morality of, of, of gathering wealth, which, mm-hmm. as we know, the, the hoarding of wealth is immoral just because it's greed. Right. But, so, like, yeah, what, how... I, I definitely want to talk about that. Ooh. Yeah, good. Um, and so, like, I... But the, my, my biggest thing for them was, like, okay, so in in the stateless society like there's there needs to be some kind of organizational structure that guides the morality of the society to avoid mass chaos because the sheer idea of of social exclusion or private court and private imprisonment is not enough to keep people from murdering each other you know like that's i I don't think i don't i don't think that like the uh the idea of the common good will translate without some kind of societal power like state um so yeah, that... yeah I mean, like, and that's that's the thing that you know law law is a teacher and so you know by having laws that 
point, you know, make it easier for you to understand, you know, the common goods, you know, mm-hmm. that, that helps you develop as a person. It's the same way we grow as children, you know? So when you're, when you're a child, like my, my daughter, she's almost two, she is entirely focused on, you know, the community, you know, and your country and, and, and the world. Like, so that, that's a level of, of maturity is recognizing larger common goods. Um, but what you're talking, I mean, talking about wealth accumulation for me, yeah. that was a big thing when I started reading St. Basil, uh, St. Basil the Great. True. Um, he like totally blew my mind. Um, and so like I recently, um, I don't like, want to make it sound like a bigger deal to us, but like I gave away like most of my stuff. So like almost like I had, I had a lot of like clothes and shoes. Um, so this is the thing about me. Um, I had like 60 pairs of shoes. Um, Whoa. Which like not for like I wasn't like a sneakerhead or whatever. It was like I used to like when I was in college, I worked uh, in retail selling shoes, and so I had a discount. And then if there was a shoe I like, I would like hide it in the back until it went on clearance and I'd buy it for like two dollars. <laughs> That's um, stealing. So I got to. It might be stealing. <laughs> um, I went to confession. It's fine. We're good. Um, it's all fine. But I mean, like I had I have a lot of stuff and like I don't need it. And so I gave it away. Um, but like St. Basil for me, um, the way he talks about, for, this is this was sort of like a major conversion moment for him. Um, but when he, in the gospel, the story of the rich young, the rich young man. Oh yeah. Um, and yeah. you know, I, I've, I've been Catholic for like what, eight years now. And I've heard this story come up in mass, you know, multiple times. And the homily is always the same pretty much the same um you know basically like oh it's not really about giving up all your stuff it's about moving you know your your spiritual attachment to material things and and whatever like (laughs) that's i mean like that's fine uh and so like it's entry level right so like it's 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 weak through the church there's there's been a few there's been there's been two major ways that people have interpreted this um this passage um, the first one, and uh, I, I believe you know, this was is from the letters of Saint Clement, but basically, it is that that line basically for talking to people who are living in the world, like it's just about making sure you're not, um, you know, you're not too attached to these things, that your heart is in heaven and not, you know, with these things on earth. And then for other people, like this is sort of what launched the monastic movement, is that they they saw this and said that like they had to get rid of all these things in order to truly you know, be able to uh, have a life devoted to Jesus. And so that's what, you know, led to the, to the sort of the monastic, the monastic movement. And so like, those are the two major interpretive trends of this, this story in the gospel uh, throughout church history. But, but St. Basil took it a different direction. Uh, and if you'll notice, most of the times when people talk about the rich young man, uh, when he says like, well, I've kept all the commandments from my youth. What more should I do? Um, like, you know, priests giving homilies and whatever, like they tend to take this young man at his word when he says that I've kept all the commandments. Um, but St. Basil, um, when he said this, he, he didn't see it that way. He, he saw that Jesus, by telling him to go, you know, to get to sell all your possessions, that was Jesus telling the man, he was, that, that was Jesus calling this, this guy out and saying, you haven't kept all the commandments. Because as St. Basil sees it, how can you say that you have loved your neighbor as your stu- as yourself when you have 
accumulated all of these things that your neighbor does not have. Yeah. How can, how can you have, how can you say that you've loved your neighbor as yourself when you have four coats and your neighbor has none? How are you, how are you able to even accumulate your second coat before your neighbor has one? And so that's, you know, that's sort of the, the paradigm that Basil takes this. And so that, that led to his sort of radical conversion and, and the way that he set up, you know, his life and his ministry, um, as, as, um, you know, this, this form of justice. So that, that really struck me. Um, like I said, you know, I, I haven't given away everything I own. Um, maybe I should, but like, you know, I, I did try, I, I try and take the first step of like, I don't need all of these shoes and all of these, you know, coats and all these things. Like I, I'm not, you know, what, what need do I have of, you know, 37 different t-shirts? Yeah. Besides like, it's nice to have things and, you know, and vanity and whatever, like I, there's no actual need for it. And, you know, so that, you know, that's sort of the first step of, you know, loving your neighbor as yourself, that if you truly love your neighbor as yourself, this sort of accumulation should be impossible. That's a good point. Although so, it kind of brings up the what what's been what's been popping back in my head throughout this entire thing has been like the right to property that is in is in the right the thing one of the in the yeah. thing so, yeah yeah. And yeah. So that, that you, know, you know what I'm trying to say. I get you. I mean, in in general, um, you know, this is a thing that comes up in any sort of socialism discussion, and you know, the, the sort of first level thing just in terms of talking about socialism is that when people talk about abolishing private property there's a distinction that socialists make between private property and personal property. Um, so like private property just means like the means of production. So like a factory or whatever, like privately, privately owned means production, like personal property is like your toothbrush. Like, yeah, the in, classic, we're not going to take your toothbrush sort of thing. Right. Like, you know, there's, you know, there, maybe there's some people like that, but like in general, like there's that distinction made. It's like personal property is a thing. It's like, Socialists are concerned about the types of property that, you know, create this unequal relation between capitalists and laborers being the means of production that, um, you know, capitalists own, you know, the means of production. And so laborers have to go and sell their, basically sell their body. They have to sell their labor to these capitalists in order to live. And so that, that creates an unequal and coercive uh, and, you know, a, a dominating social relationship that, you know, is, is, that we view as unjust. Uh, but yeah, that's, I mean, the church does recognize that there is a natural right to property, but it's not absolute. And that's a key yeah, thing. Like everything you own is, you do not have a, a moral right to own that property. You may have right. so, a legal I mean, right to own it. Right. And so, and this is a, and this is a key, another key aspect in Catholic social teaching and just a term for people to search if they're interested in, in learning more is the universal destination of goods. Mm-hmm. Um, is you know is a, is a teaching of the church but basically you know like yes you you can own things but you know it's better to, in a lot of ways to, to speak of stewardship um than you know than than maybe than owning uh because god gave god gave everything that we have for all of us and yeah. so ult- you know so yes you have a natural right to property and to own things but it's not absolute and you know, it's, it's meant for, you know, for the good of all humanity. Although the means of production is an interesting phrase just because, you know, like the, the, the example of a toothbrush is like, all right, cool. That's mm-hmm. a thing that 
is mine and no one else can use it for sanitary reasons right but like um say like like i we were talking about distributionism where like you have the right to the idea that each individual or each individual group has a right to um own the things or produce for themselves the means of living which would include food production so like is it would would the means of production include personal property that would be you know like so someone owns a farm like that is a means of production but it's a personal it's more of a personal where at what point does it become no not no longer personal is now private property and it's like yeah and that yeah i mean i'll be honest like that's a a theoretical question that is beyond my expertise mm-hmm. um you know and and again um it's open to different interpretations like there's you know socialism is such a broad term there's so many different types of socialism um you know there's market socialism and libertarian socialism and all sorts of crazy things that i don't even fully understand um but but basically cajun the, spice socialism yeah, I'm sure there is. You know, there's there's a subreddit for everything. Um, <laughs> you know, the idea again is that you know the free market is not the master of of everything. That it it it's ultimately for the people, and so it, a lot of those things are going to be subordinated. Uh, and even you know, the popes talk about that, that there are certain things um, that maybe shouldn't be allowed to be privately owned because they're they create like having them be owned by an individual creates such a domineering effect on the market and on society that uh, it it should be public. Um, you know, so you know where the line is and things like that. That's for people who are smarter than I am, which is a a fairly large group. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, it's a question. But like you know, and but things like um, you know. You know, Matt, there, I mean, there's this. Uh, this is an interesting thing too, because you know, the rea- most people don't recognize it. Like the reality of farming in the United States these days is not like you don't have a lot of like mom and pop, you know, farms yeah. out there. Like it's all corporate. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know the numbers, but it, like I would and subsidized. Yeah, right. But you know, it's, it's like you know, ninety five percent of all the food produced in this country is produced by you know these corporate farms or whatever and so that's the sort of thing where like it's not someone's like it's not that's like it's not something like mom and pop like their personal like family farm that's been in their family for 200 years or whatever and in the state's going to come take that away it's like no it's it's these corporations who own these huge amounts of land and are producing uh you know not for not for the common good but for profit you know they're they're not producing the things that are going to that's going to actually help the most people and make sure everyone gets fed like they're producing for a profit um well i think a problem especially with food is national production that is an issue and we were talking about we're talking about a subsidiarity you know it's like that that's a that's that's nationally providing for something that could be provided on a local level or a state level and i know you're i know you're not trying to equate subsidiary with uh federalism but Mm -hmm. i think i think subsidiarity is an important part of federalism right like the, lo- the local, the city should be able to take care of its thing and the national government shouldn't have to worry about it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And yeah, cer- certainly there's, there's elements of the, the principle there. I just don't, I just don't want it. I just don't want people to have understanding yeah. that they're, they're, the, they're the same thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, a- again, it all comes down to, and it comes down to this, like, I am not 
an economic expert. Like there's people who are much smarter than I am who write about these things and have actual smart policy things to say. <laughs> uh, for for me, it's about it's about the principles. Like I I you know I was having my parents were here a couple of weeks ago helping out. Um, my wife's pregnant and you know she was you know, having yeah. it's, it's 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 fantastic and we're very happy. But also she is she's very sick um, and so oh. she has a bit you know she wasn't able to work for a few weeks and things like that. So my parents came out to help us out for a while. Um, but you know I was arguing with my dad about you know healthcare stuff and he was you know, bringing up, you know, these economic things and whatever, like, it's going to do this to the economy. Like, and my reaction to that is I don't, I don't care, honestly, is, Mm -hmm. is my position. Like, I don't care about the economic bottom line. I care about making sure people are taken care of is what it really comes down to. Like, and that, and that is, that is important. Yeah. Like if, you know, if whatever the GDP of our country is going to be, or, whatever if you know if it shrinks or whatever like i don't care like and and this is where like i'm kind of a crazy person where i'm like you know people like oh like if we don't you know if if we don't have a profit motive in healthcare or whatever we're not going to develop all these new technologies they're going to let us live longer and awesome like i feel like we live long enough already yeah we should probably die sooner actually yeah i'm good like i'm good you know like I mean that's it. Also, profit it, motives in healthcare are probably not a good right. idea. Yeah, I mean, that, I well, that's, that's an interesting thing to like. I mean, there's so many like all this stuff is so layered um, because like that that stuff in there is like this assumption that profit is the only motivation that drives humanity is I, th- I well, one yeah. I think it's it's so anti-Catholic and anti-Christian, but it's just insane to be like people can be motivated to do good things for recognition you know for social recognition they can be motivated to do good things because they want to help people you know out of altruism like if we were motivated by profit only i wouldn't do a podcast right exactly i'd be a cam girl (laughs) there you go Uh, wow wow when i when i was when i was looking for a new job um, oh here we go I, i was looking for a new job i was between jobs and um you know, I was applying for a bunch of stuff, and my wife sent me a Craigslist ad for like a a cam a cam girl wanted thing. She's like, "You should do this." <laughs> so, well, she's she's a keeper, Jake. She's she's a she's a funny person, very supportive wife. Um, but anyways, um, but yeah, just like yeah, like I I just find this that that's one of the common threads that comes up all the time is that like without the profit motive, blah blah blah. blah. I'm like, how how pessimistic a view of humanity is that, that making a buck is the only thing that motivates people to achieve greatness. I don't know if you caught my tweet a while back, but it was kind of, it was kind of uh, stupid and satirical as they usually are, but some people took it relatively seriously. Ethan was saying, I don't really know enough about the differences between, I don't really know enough about the definition of capitalism, socialism, blah, blah. blah. And I was like, my understanding is that there's two conflicting ways to worship mammon. Yes. And my reasoning behind tweets. Oh sweet, my <laughs> my joke behind the the reasoning behind that joke was that exactly what you've been saying. It's like so in 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 this idea of socialism in this uh, if so if your if your pure drive is the economy, and you're okay. So I love the economy so much I want to be a socialist, or I or vice versa mm. I want to be a capitalist. It's like so money is God, right? Therefore, yep. everyone should be entitled to get as much of it as they possibly can and then die. 
versus money is God, therefore it's not fair that anyone cannot have as much God as the other person, so right. let's move it all around. So like, if, if you look at socialism and capitalism in that way, then they're obviously both going to be terrible. Which but is why I think that we should get rid of money. Yes. Go back to the bartering system. Yes, thank you. That's, Finally, that's something a, something reasonable and something that the people can understand on this podcast. The people. The people. The people. The people. Uh, the but people. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right, Pat. Like, and this is something you'll see, you. too. Like, if people <laughs> are actually following us, like, they know that we, <laughs> like, we do not go easy on the, the secular left at all. Um, Sec left sucks. Yeah. Sec left sucks. Like, you know, if you can you can search through my Twitter for stuff about the sec left or whatever. But like, um, one of my like my my two favorite tweets I think in all of Twitter, uh, Stevie Lark, um, he has this. <laughs> see if I can find it. It's his pin tweet, isn't it? Better be. I told him to pin it. Um, yeah, it's no, it's not. Okay, Damn. but basically, it's like, um, you know, the secular leftists their their worldview is basically. Um, capitalism is bad, but the the moral and social implications of capitalism are good. And the the modern right is capitalism is good, but the social and moral implications of capitalism are bad. And what it comes down to is basically we're like, uh, I think there's a way to resolve this dilemma. Um, Get rid of capitalism. Just, yeah. So that's that's basically what it comes down to. But there's there's a lot more. Yeah, and like I, like I said. I'm not a, I'm not particularly you know an expert on this sort of stuff. Um, one like the main reason for that I feel like is I I'm pretty sure that like everything that I've read in the last six years got like wiped out since my daughter was born. Just like the the lack of sleep that has happened over the last couple of years since I've been a parent. Like I've forgotten like everything. I'm so dumb now. Like I, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure. I was, I feel like I was pretty smart beforehand, but I'm definitely not smart now. Maybe uh, all of your intelligence went into her. Like that's I how hope, it worked. I hope so. She's That'd gonna be, be awesome. the smartest. You ever seen? You ever seen that movie? Uh, Baby geniuses. Mm-hmm. One and two. Oh, look who's talking. Yeah, your your daughter's gonna star in the reboot. Uh, I hope. I hope she doesn't star in the movie. Maybe. Baby Geniuses 3. Baby Geniuses whoa, whoa, 3. Whoa, 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 buddy. We had a guy on an interview on The Crunch that was know, in a movie, I know, so... I, I, listened to, I listened to The Crunch. I know I know what's going on. But <laughs> I would I, I have to go back to California. Which, by the way, given the inane drivel that we usually talk about, it's so surprising to me that you still listen. <laughs> I told you. It was, a, it was such a good Lenten penance that I just kept it going. That really hurts my feelings, but thank this you. Is, that's such a good burn, though. Like it's I, not I can't a... even be mad at you for that. I was, I was so proud of that tweet. I have to tell you. <laughs> like, I, like, I, I was very happy with myself. I'm so glad we've able to. I, we've been able. Like, I've been able to talk to someone about this just because, like, I'm so tired of um, uber conservative Catholics. Not because of <laughs> nobody on Twitter, because I am conservative as well. But mm. just because it's just. I, have you ever seen the movie Jesus Camp? It's doc, it's a documentary on Netflix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you remember that part where they're like they have a picture of George Bush in a church? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the Republican Party right now. It's like here's the here's the here's the Republican guy, and he. I'm gonna go back America to that, and I'm gonna screenshot that and replace the picture of George with Jeb. 
<laughs> put the little, but, put like a put the Jeb logo in it with no, the exclamation point. Jeb logo with the exclamation point, and also it's the picture of Jeb when he's in the hoodie. <laughs> yeah, and that and that that was a thing just this last weekend. Like, it drives me crazy. You know, like the whole like having patriotic songs instead of hymns at church on Memorial Day, and like having yeah. a flag in the you know in the sanctuary, and like, come on, guys, like. If you're if you're down with America, like I'm sure, like whatever. But like, not in church. Church is for Jesus. Yeah. Repent and submit to the Pope. Yeah, America is a Masonic we didn't, we didn't talk about we didn't talk about repentance submit at all. Well, we've no, we been, we've been going for an hour and fifteen minutes. Yeah, I know. Uh, Holy crap! I just, I just ramble a lot. Yeah. No, this has been good though. This is like a good. Political. I um, this is probably the most intellectual up, but... the crunch has ever been. Oh God, I, yeah. I hope not. I feel so bad for you guys if if me having me on is the most intellectual this been. You do realize we talk about books oh. sometimes. We do talk about oh, books man. sometimes, but it's usually like, yeah, I read three pages out of this, and I think I, mean, I think I understand it well enough to do a thirty minute podcast. Th- on it. This, this is this is going to be my disclaimer, right? My right now, so you're not allowed to cut this out, Ethan. All right, uh, noted. One, one, I have a cold. Two, like I mentioned, I am a parent and I haven't slept in like two years. So any dumb things that I say, it's because of one of those two things. All right. It has been noted. That, it will be highlighted answer. in the show notes. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about? Uh, making ma- The making of a meme. The making uh, of a meme. Yeah, just drop this on us real quick. You, cha- you single-handedly so you changed it? Catholic Twitter. Mm-hmm. So just, basically, yeah. Repentance with the Pope was like my like audition for weird Catholic Twitter. Ah. Um, this, so part of it was like, I was like becoming, you know, socialist and, and whatever and recognizing the fact that uh, my job in the pro-life movement where I had to work closely with very rich Republican people and ask them to give me money to continue working in the pro-life movement. Um, being like an out socialist was probably not a great idea. Um, so, you know, I, I was kind of like switching my account to be anonymous and whatever. And so like, I just kind of came up with that. Um, but I am, I, that took me like literally five minutes in Microsoft paint is how it happened. Um, and you changed the world. I, yeah. I'm so amazed how far it spread. Like it, it makes me laugh. And like people, like, people at my student center, because I've said it so much now, like it's a, just a colloquial thing. Like now they just say, it. I, I hear that all the time. and It makes me so happy. Yeah. But like it, but it's crazy. Like I see, like, like Protestant, like there's like pro, like Protestant Twitter, like is like angry about it now. Yeah, darn like, right. Talks about, yeah. like talks about it, and like people are having like serious discussions about whether or not this is like okay, and like or whether or not we're being too rigid or whatever Ugh. with this meme. I'm like, it's a meme. I don't think it has anything a, to do with rigidity. No, it's, a it's meme. just it's That's funny. The thing. It's like That's I mean, a, if you want to talk about rigidity, sure. But like, that's a problem with most of Twitter is that it's just a meme. Calm down. And, like, it's a, it's a, like there's like I I think there's truth to it, which is why I think it has spread and because in why I think it's useful yeah. because like when it comes down to it, everyone should repent and submit to the Pope. Yep. Like that's just that's just how it works. Like the world would be a better place if everyone was Catholic. Like God wants everyone to be Catholic. Everyone in Catholic everyone in heaven is Catholic. And so I feel like yeah. people on earth people on earth should follow that lead. I feel like that that's a pretty good example. I said that to someone once, and they were like almost offended. And then they were like, "Well, I mean, that 
that's good. And I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, like everyone in heaven is in the same religion. So I believe that everyone in heaven is Catholic. So yeah. if, when you die, I believe that you will be Catholic. And they're like, oh, the, the best things to say right. to people, <laughs> the best things to say to people are to tell them one, that everyone in heaven is Catholic and see how they react to that. But two, to tell them that there's no, there's no such thing as a Protestant. Ooh. Like interesting. Like ontologically or whatever, like that's, that's not a thing that exists. Like if you are baptized, you are a Catholic. You are Catholic yes. in like imperfect communion with the church, but you are a Catholic. So. The two things Anyways. that I always go, I always go for are one sex should be illegal and two P is in the balls. <laughs> oh, God. I've, I've been teaching, can... I've been teaching those things to my freshman and sophomore high school boys that I'm helping lead this summer and they're, they're eating it up. <laughs> To say the least, right. it's been um, great. I, I got it's so mad on Twitter. Now. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, after after this, I I'm gonna go to confession now. Yeah, so, oh, that's yeah. a good idea. That's good. Go, <laughs> repent and go to confession. Yeah, that's sure. another I, meme that should exist. Also, I should probably put my daughter to bed because it's way past her bedtime. Yeah, definitely. Um, I also need to put my daughter to bed. Uh, the ex-wife dropped her off last minute, so I gotta take care of that real quick. <laughs> yeah. I, you know. Gotta deal with that baby mama drama. Oh, you're not wrong. I am. I am daddy's big boy, as they say. Mm-hmm. Well, this is I'm fun. I apologize. I apologize for all of the the editing work you're gonna have to do to try and make me sound smart. No, I always nope. say that I do editing, but I really don't. So, well, you're supposed to make me sound smart. I'll do. I'll do my best. It will be difficult, but we can make it happen. Yeah, I believe in you. Yeah. No, thanks for coming on, Jake. Honestly, this was great. It's been good, like talking to you and hearing your voice. Um, and just kind of learning from you. I just kind of sat and listened most of the time just because it was great to hear what you have to say and all the things that you've learned and everything that you've been through and where it's led you today. It's it's pretty incredible. You're a great witness. Um, Thank you. In, in that realm. In other realms, I don't know how good of a witness you are. You might suck, but I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> I appreciate it. And, uh, and uh, again, I encourage you, both of you and anyone else listening, to find people's if you're interested in this stuff, find people smarter than me and ask them about it. Like I can answer little, I can answer small things and you can always find me on Twitter, but there are people smarter than me and I'll probably censure them. Yeah. That's well, that's hilarious because I, cause I, I would ask Lauren questions and then Lauren would mm-hmm. tell me to ask you questions. And now you telling me to ask other people questions. So it's just, a, it's just a <laughs> whole thing. What you should do is you should just read that Peterson essay. I sent you. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm working on it. It's, I have it saved. I have it ready for whenever I'm not doing things until 1030 at night. So, yeah, we're ready. Awesome. Yo, Jake, send me send me stuff too. I I will absolutely. I may not agree stuff. with everything, but I like reading. So I don't. I mean, you don't need to agree. You just need to learn. Well, you need to agree yeah, with the, the thing. thing. You need to agree with the stuff. That's you right. need to agree with the church. Yeah, you need to agree with the church. Yeah. Repentance and mythical. Yep. We know. <laughs> awesome. All right, I love cool. you guys. All right. Hey, love you I'll, too. Love you too, Jake. Uh, I'm gonna close it out real quick. Are we good? All right. Thank you all for listening. Please pray for us. We'll be praying for you and we will see you on the Twitters. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.